That's some pretty cool walk-up music, isn't it? Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Hey, it's great to see you. I'm so glad you're here, so glad you joined us online. I am absolutely thrilled to be able to uh, share the pulpit this morning with such a good friend of mine, but also someone who is a great communicator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Tony Stewart is from Tampa, Florida, and um, he and his wife, Casey, planted a church in Naples and uh, several years ago, and then 15 years after uh, ago today, uh, or this Easter, they were asked to come to Tampa and take over a struggling congregation, one that had been a long historical congregation, but one that was struggling in really dire straits of closing the doors if something wasn't going to happen soon. And through the grace of God and leadership of Pastor Tony and Casey, that church has turned around and now runs several thousand as one of the largest churches in our denomination. Uh, and not just that, God has given Tony a a kingdom voice, and he's given him these opportunities to connect with certain folks that open certain doors for him. He has been interviewed and a contributor to CNN, Fox News, uh, TBN, Daystar, um, about um, everything from um, spiritual subjects to the, uh, the Christian response in political uh, issues. And um, thank God for a kingdom voice that he's given to Pastor Tony. Uh, he wrote his uh, first book, and it just came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago, but a few uh, weeks ago, I got an advanced copy of it, and I decided to sit down one afternoon. I thought, well, I'll start this and, and see how it goes, and, and uh, read the whole thing in one afternoon. Just some great principles, kingdom principles about building your faith. It's called The Door to More, and he's going to bring you some of that, sort of scratch the surface of it this morning, and I promise you, you're going to be blessed. But if you want to take a deeper dive into that, I'm going to encourage you, go ahead and encourage you. His book is going to be in the lobby after the service. I encourage you to go out, buy that book, and let it build your faith even more. Uh, but I'm really thrilled to be able to introduce to you Pastor Tony as he comes and brings the word. So I want you to do me a favor. Would you stand on your feet and give a great Mount Perrin North welcome to Pastor Tony Stewart. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus today. Anybody love him? Oh, so good. Just remain standing. Thank you, Pastor Kirk. Laura, thank you for the, the welcome, the honor of being here today and your friendship. You know, we've been praying with you, but today we celebrate with you. Would you put your hands together one more time for what God is doing? You know, there's something about celebrating somebody else's breakthrough, somebody else's miracle. You know, this worship team was amazing today. But you realize this, you get no credit for them. I, I don't care how good they sound, you get no credit. But the minute you open your mouth, the minute you lift your hands, the minute you begin to remind the Father how good he's been to you, something begins to happen in your life. So honored to be in Atlanta today. I, I've been on an airplane the last 10 days, and it's really almost been like a hotel to me. So I'm just good to, I'm glad to go home this afternoon and uh, see my girls. I've got a daughter that is graduating from high school this week. So my wife is home crying, and I've had the checkbook out. She's getting ready to go off to school. But I want to pray over you today. I want to pray that when we leave, that our time together would be rich, that we would believe that God is doing something more than what we see, and that he is a God of more. So Father, we pray today, believing, Father, that you are a timeless and a spaceless God. A God that is not only in our present, but you have also covered our yesterday. But at the same time, you're prophetically declaring our tomorrow. So, Father, when we leave, let us leave, Father, knowing that your presence has been with us.
Father, challenge us and change us. Let us believe that greater days are ahead. And Father, we trust you and know that all things are working together for our good because we love you and we're called according to your purpose. So we just believe today your will is being done according to your kingdom in the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. I want to jump right into the word. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I want to speak to you about the door to more. As Pastor Kirk said, um, just a few weeks ago, my new book came out and it's in the back. And I believe it will be a blessing to you if you pick one up. But I do know this. If you pick one up, it will be a blessing to me. I'm joking. But you know, doorways are powerful places in our life. The Bible is full of doorways. To get into this room today, you walk through a door. And when you leave, you will exit a door to go back in your routine or regimen or into your life. You know, all through the word of God, there are these portals, these places that move us from glory to glory. I love the glory of God. I love being in the seasons of God. But you know, sometimes it's the threshold of the doorway, those two little letters, the T and the O. It's the place where you're not where you used to be, but you're not yet where you're going. That hallway of your faith, I believe that's where Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Not in the miracles, not in the miracle of the loaves and the fishes or or the moment where Jesus is calming the storm. Not in Acts chapter two where the glory of God is being poured out, but in that hallway where Jesus is getting ready to leave Peter and things have changed. And he said, the enemy is coming after you in the hallway, but I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail you. And when you fall, get back up and strengthen people with a testimony. How many know there's a testimony in the rebound? That place where God brings you back and resets your life. And doorways are powerful from Genesis to Revelation. Matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 7, the Bible said in the 600 year, second month and 17th day of Noah's life, he walked through a door. This moment was so significant. God gave us the year, the month, and the day of Noah's life. It wasn't just any door. It was a door that was connected to an ark, a boat that Noah built for a generation. Matter of fact, he built this boat when people laughed at it. He built this boat when people mocked and wondered why he was even building. Because was, the reality was there was no water in the earth. It had not rained. But the Bible said in the 600 years of his life, the second month, And the 17th day, Noah walked through a door and God shut the door behind him. And the Bible said fountains of the deep begin to break open and the heavens begin to give way with rain and God began to float Noah's boat. The Bible said in the book of Samuel that a young shepherd walked through a door and on the other side of the door, there's a long-haired prophet named Samuel and he refused to sit down until David arrived. And the Bible said David would walk in a shepherd, but he would exit a king. The Bible would teach us that at the Red Sea, the people of God were standing at an impasse. And God would require three things of Moses. This outlaw that was now a leader leading a slave group to a place of promise. And the Bible said in this transition of the wilderness, he would require three things of Moses at a doorway of the Red Sea. A doorway that would change everything. A doorway that would lead them to promise, but yet also silence their adversaries. And the Bible said that three things were required. He said, Moses, I need you to stand. I need you to speak. Speaking was very difficult for Moses. But I find many times when God is taking us through a new doorway, he not only celebrates the strengths of our life, but he challenges the weaknesses of our life. And the Bible said he asked Moses to speak to the people. But then he said, take what I've put in your hand. 
and get to the edge of where you've never been and stretch. And the Bible said Moses began to speak to the people. He began to stand and begin to lead and then he gets to the edge of the Red Sea. And the Bible said as Moses began to stretch, God began to breathe. And the Bible said a doorway opened and he led this army through the Red Sea. In the Gospel of Mark, we find that Jesus walks into a house. And in this house, there's two types of people. There's some that are mourning because Jairus' daughter has now died. Then some are laughing because they believe it's ridiculous that they're even believing for a miracle. And Jesus enters this house and he knows that this daughter that is in need is on the other side of a doorway. And then he looks at those with him and said, I want Peter, James, and John, the mother and the father. Sometimes you have to be careful who you allow into the doors of your life. He said, I want the mother of the father, Peter, James, and John, and then Jesus. That's six. Six went in, but seven would come out. And the Bible said Jesus would walk through a door and he would speak blessing over this daughter and she would rise. I am telling you, there are moments in your life that we do not see what's on the other side of the door, but he does. All through the word of God, the book of Revelation, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you will open the door, we will have fellowship together. He said, I'll open doors no man can shut and I will shut doors no man can open. All through the word of God. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come to give you an abundant life. There is a thief that would try to steal it. But in John chapter 10, verse 9, he said, I am the door. If you're going to get to the abundance, you've got to walk through the door. And all through the word of God, these places, these portals that lead us from glory to glory, that they open places that we've not yet been or they lead us out of places that God is closing in seasons. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, there is a couple that is living through a transitional season. It's been a famine in the last season and they're being positioned for a fruitful season. The whole, the whole chapter of 2 Kings chapter 4 deals with people that are living through lack. Early in this story, we find that there's a, a, a young lady that has two sons and they're so in debt that the creditors are coming to get... That's pretty bad when the creditors are not only taking your stuff, but they're taking your kids. And they're coming to get her children. But really what was happening was this. If you know anything about Jewish custom, if a widow was, was now taken care of by her sons, they had responsibility. So when she came and told the man of God that they were so in debt that the creditor was coming to take her sons, what she was saying was this. She said, because of our yesterday, our now is in trouble. And not only is our now in trouble, it's trying to silence my tomorrow. And that's the attack of the enemy. He would like to silence your tomorrow and keep you from believing for greater days. And in this chapter, there is a couple living out this season. In verse 8, it says this. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. And there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat. So she said to her husband, look now, I perceive this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. So it'll be whenever he comes, he can turn in. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room. And he laid down there. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shumanite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. He said to him, say to her, You've been concerned with us for all this care. What can we do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf, the king or the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. 
So he said, what can be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. I love that. She stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. The Bible says they're living through this famine and something happened in their house. The minute that Elisha passed by, Elisha carried the presence of God in this season of the Old Testament. And when he came by their house, something changed. Have you ever had a moment where you just sensed that the presence of God was in your house? I sensed that in this service today. I felt God in this room. When Pastor Kirk was sharing the testimony, my faith was building. Anybody just sense God when he arrives? Maybe you get goosebumps or whatever it is that your natural man does when you encounter his presence. Something happened with this lady. And the Bible said she did something. She began to cook for him. She was smart. She knew the way to this preacher's heart was through his stomach. And here's the revelation in this. He must have liked what he was eating because the Bible said as often as he passed by, he would turn in there. Here's a principle. If you ever discover what attracts the presence of God, just keep doing it. If you ever understand that your worship invites the presence of God in, extend your worship. If you ever have the revelation that your prayer can invite the heavens into your now, pray more. If you ever realize that generosity is like a magnet to the presence of God, become more generous. She just kept putting out but something happened in this encounter. The Bible said she looked at her husband and said, I perceive this is a holy man of God. Perception is the eye of the spirit. It's when in your now things may be crazy, but you sense God is doing something greater than the now. She said, I perceive this is a holy man of God. Some of you in this room, some of you at church online today, you perceive that God is doing something beyond what you know. She said, I perceive this is a holy man of God. Now, most believers get a sense that God is doing something, but they really never do anything with it. They let this moment of faith pass. They let this moment go by. So many times we're looking for seasons, but God gives us moments. And it's that one moment that will propel us into a season. It's that one moment that changes everything. That one encounter you did not expect. And she said, I perceive this as a holy man of God. But she would not be stopped at perception. She looked at her husband and said, let's come together and build. Let's invest. Let's partner together. There is power in partnership. I'm here today because of partnership. Because of my friendship with Pastor Kirk, I came today because of partnership. I'll leave now because I'm in partnership with this great church. The Bible said if one can put 1,000 to fly and two can put 10,000 to fly, Something happens when we come together. The Bible teaches us that two are greater than one. And it just takes a couple people gathering in his name to usher in his presence. I believe she understood this. First, she needed her husband's giftings to accomplish. You will never do what God has called you to by yourself. But she also understood spiritual authority. He was the head of that house. She realized to accomplish what she perceived God was saying, she would need him. She said, let's partner together. But they didn't even stop at partnership. They were really getting to step out in faith because remember, they've been through a recession, through a famine. So they chose to invest 
Investment is really where you, where you take hold of your faith and you really put your money where your mouth is and you really step out believing that what you perceive God is going to do and you step into the realm of obedience. They begin to invest. She said, let's build a room. It's going to cost us. I know that when we look at the ledger, it doesn't speak to investing. I know, I know the report on the television dictates that it's not a good time to invest, but something began to happen. She said, let's build a room and let's furnish it. Let's put a bed in there and a table, a chair, a lampstand, a flat screen television on the wall. What she was saying was this, let's make it so inviting when he comes to eat, he wants to stay. When he comes to our house, he wants to dwell there. And the Bible said they built this room and, and the man of God shows up at the house and he begins to stay longer. And the longer he stays, the more of the atmosphere of this house begins to change. There is something that happens in your investment when you step out and you sow and you believe. You know, our story, Pastor Kurt, really had a shifting. I was in the mountains of Nicaragua preaching and I was moving from city to city and uh, you know, we were in this journey of rebuilding an old church, a church that had much more history than destiny. I love the historical aspect of Mount Perrin. I love when I, I get to be a part of churches with a lot of great history, but also yet a lot of great destiny before them. We really lived in the rearview mirror about what God did years ago at the church. And everything spoke to it. The buildings were falling apart. This once great church had lost vision. We were in the middle of, middle of rebuilding buildings. I mean, we were just right on the edge of disaster. We were trusting God. We were just one week away from being broke. And... Um, I was in the mountains of Nicaragua and I was moving from city to city and as we passed through a very poor area in the mountains of Nicaragua and I, we were stopping to meet a pastor and uh, I got out of the car and I heard the Holy Spirit say, and if I've ever felt him and heard him speak, it was in that moment. He said, tell the pastor you're going to meet, you'll build him a church. So I get out and I meet this pastor and my translator introduces him to me. My translator's name is Ronald Reagan Garcia. True story. So Ronald Reagan Garcia, he's translating. I don't speak Spanish. And um, finally tells me a story about how hundreds of people pass through this little area and they come to this little church, a small little house, and they're just overflowing with people, but they've had miracles happen. I said, have you ever thought about building a church? I'm thinking maybe God's just testing me. He runs in this little house, brings out this set of plans, lays them on the hood of a truck and tells me what the church would look like and where it would go. I said, how much would it cost? He said, about 25,000 US dollars. Now at that time in our ministry, that was like $250,000. Well, I told uh, the translator to tell him that we would build the church. So Ronald Reagan Garcia told him the good news. He ran in and got his family. They came out, they began to jump around and cry. I began to cry. They're crying because I'm going to build a church. I'm crying because I have no money. Everybody's crying. And, we, you know, we rejoice, we hug, and I, I share that I'll start sending them some money in the next few weeks, and we'll raise the money. And I got in the car, and it felt like the enemy was riding in the car with me. The whole, the whole ride to our next city, Esteli, I felt like the enemy was speaking things of doubt, and, and fear was gripping my heart. How are you? What are you going to do when you can't pay this, man? You can barely pay your bills in Tampa. And the whole ride, I'm in this battle. And I get to Esteli, and when I arrive in Esteli, my cell phone starts working. And when I look at some, some of the messages, I realize that one of them was from a football player that played for the, the Buccaneers, not the world champion Tom Brady Buccaneers. This was the, the recession Buccaneers. 
His name was Derek Brooks. He had come to church some, so I didn't think a lot about it. I called him back, and um, Derek said, Pastor, I want to talk to you about the church building. I said, I'm out of the country. I'll be home on Monday. I thought he wanted to use the building. When I arrived, he showed up with 14 people, and they began to tell me that they wanted to buy our church building. We're in the heart of the recession. They want to buy our church building for an inner city school, charter school. I said, you want to buy this 40-year-old church building? Nobody was buying church buildings in this season. He said, we want to buy it. And I don't know why, but I just told them, I said, for us to sell the building, it would take $8 million. Our building was worth maybe $2 million on paper if you could find a buyer. They left. What I didn't realize, well, one of the gentlemen in the group was named Ed DeBartlow. He owned the San Francisco 49ers. And they left. A few days later, a Jewish attorney called me and said, hey, I introduced himself. He said, I represent the DeBartlow and Brooks Foundation. They said, to tell you, we'll take it. I said, you'll take what? They said, we'll buy your church building. I said, what are you talking about? They said, we'll give you $8 million. I said, how are you going to pay for it? They said, we'll write you a check. I said, can you bring cash? No, I didn't really. I'm joking. I'm... I said, you may not understand this, but I, I really got to pray about it. I've not met with my elder board. I've not talked with my wife. This was just a hypothetical conversation. But, but we met together. We prayed about it. We felt it was a God moment for us. And um, we called him back and told him that we would take their offer. I'm driving past our football stadium. And when I do, I get past the Buccaneers Stadium. I see them taking down a sign for a Super Albertsons, almost a 90,000 square foot box building on the third busiest corner in our city. I thought, that's got to be our building. I pick up the phone. I call uh, a number and somebody had given me. And when I, I tell the guy what I need their building for, he laughs at me. He said, Pastor, thank you, but we have 23 offers, Walmart, Publix. He went down the list, and the more he talked, the more my faith began to shrink. And then he thanked me for uh, calling, and we hung up the phone. I got up the next morning. I thought, I'm calling back. I perceived God was doing something, and something happened in this moment. When I called back and I asked for the gentleman, he was out sick. God had already put something on this man in 24 hours for lap. No, I'm joking. <laughs> It wasn't like a sickness unto death. It was like a head cold or something, you know. But he wasn't in the office. I said, can I speak to his boss? A gentleman came to the phone, and I started telling him our story. I don't know why, Pastor, but I started all the way back in Nicaragua, just like I'm telling you. And I get to the end of the story, and I said, now I've sold my building. I need to buy your building. The phone goes dead silent. This man probably thinks I'm crazy. I've just told him I talk to God, and God talks to me. He's a businessman here in Atlanta. But when he did start speaking, this is what he said. He said, I'm the vice president for the company. I'll help the owner make the decision of what we do with the property. But he said, I'm also the chairman of the local mission board at our church. He said, I'm going to um, California next week. We're going to have a meeting. He said, I'll, I'll get back with you. A week later, he called and said, Pastor, everybody made their presentation. He said, at the end, I told him your story. He said, when I got the part about Ed DeBartlow, he said, our owner said, I know Ed. I guess billionaires, they just roll in packs, you know? And he said, let the church have the building. He gave me the keys to this building. We walked in. He said, you want to look at it? It's yours if you want it. We walked in. It looked like an airplane hangar. There were no walls. And the minute I walked in, my heart started beating. I 
I started hearing voices that told me it was crazy to leave the old traditional church and buy this grocery store. But I grabbed my wife's hand and I began to pray. And I simply said, Lord, I need to hear your voice and I need to know your will. And God being my witness, I walked in the office of this old grocery store. We're not in an old church building. We're not in a religious facility. We're in an old grocery store. And when I walked in the office, it was a plaque hanging on the wall. It looked like it had been there for 15 years. And this is what it said. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot protect you. We bought that building, and I'm telling you, over the last several years, we've taken over 5,000 new members in the middle of the pandemic. We baptized 800 people. We now have three campuses, and God has just continued. I believe this is what happened. We perceived something was God was doing in the mountains of Nicaragua, and we begin to act on that faith and invest in it. We invested when there was really no residual outcome on our behalf, but we invested. And this is what is happening in this story. The Bible said she built this room they built this room and the man of God shows up at the house and he asked her one question he said ask her if she wants us to move her to another area there's a new subdivision going up we can talk to the king or the commander of the army it's a beautiful place you know it's got a community pool it's really beautiful it's a much better area of town and she makes a statement. What are you talking about? We dwell among our own people. We believe God is going to move right here. We're trusting for a miracle in this house. And the man of God says, then what can we do for her? And the servant says this. They're very old and they have no children. What he was really saying was the food's good, the room's nice, the bed's comfortable. But this is as good as it will ever be. There's no future. And the Bible said he called for her. And when he called for her, she stepped into a doorway. And this is what he said. He said, this time next year. He said, you're going to have a son. Now, this word was so strong, it staggered her. You know, this is what I've been believing for, but this is what I've given up on. You realize every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded that it's impossible. Every time I look at my husband, I'm reminded it's impossible. Every time I hear children playing in the market, I'm reminded of the impossibility. Please do not lie to me. But the next verse says this, at the appointed time, at the appointed time, just like the man of God said, she bore a son. I believe there's something that happened when she perceived that God was doing something and she partnered with her husband and they stepped out in faith and began to invest in a lean season. There was something happening in the heavenlies and there was something happening that, that was being released into the earth. And there's some of you in this room in this last season, this crazy season we've walked through, there's some something in you that is believing for greater, maybe for your children or your finances. Maybe you've looked at a doctor's report, but you're still believing for healing as we heard today. And there's something that just allows you to believe in faith that God is building a doorway to a greater tomorrow. I've come to Atlanta to tell you, keep believing, keep perceiving, keep partnering, keep investing. Something happens. You know, pastor, uh, just before the pandemic, I was invited to go on a trip. It, it was, I was invited by the White House. It was like the who's who of preachers. I, I'm telling you, Franklin Graham and Jensen Franklin and Sammy Rodriguez, this whole list of guys, I think they had one spot left and said, let's invite the guy in Tampa. <laughs> Nobody else wants to go, we'll invite him. So I felt like it was a, a moment that God was opening in our life. It would be a moment that, as you said, I was able to, after that, um, be with Fox News and Fox and Friends and CNN, just a whole different world than I had ever been a part of. 
relationships that I have today. But what happened was I booked the ticket and I got to the airport. And if you've been in Florida much, you realize that weather can change very quickly. I got to the airport and a storm had moved in. Lightning began to fall and they grounded every plane. And I'm watching the monitor and I'm looking at my app and I travel enough to realize that Delta will not wait on me. They close the door and they go. I'm starting to realize that I'm going to miss my connection in Houston to go to McAllen, Texas. And so finally I decide I'm just not going to go. I'm going to be stuck in Houston. I get up and I go over to the desk and the young lady working the desk said, Pastor, I didn't really know her, but I did not want to act like I did not know her. I was like, oh, hey. She said, you don't know me. I was like, Phew. She said, I've only been coming to the church a few months. She said, my name's Jackie. But let me tell you, the sermon you preached just a few weeks ago on faith, it's changed my life. I've been praying in faith over my kids. I've been worshiping in faith. I've been giving in faith. I've been trusting in faith. Matter of fact, I've been praying over everybody that I come in contact with, even passengers. Then she said, what can I do for you? Tell her the story, how I'm going on this trip. I said, but you know, I'm going to be stuck in the airport. Now, I've done that before. I'm just going to stay in Tampa. She said, oh, no, you're not. She said, I'm going to pray you make your flight. Now, I want to look like the man of faith and power. And I was like, oh, Jackie, that's awesome. And I get, go and sit back down. I get on the plane. We sit on the plane now for 30 minutes. Call my wife. I said, Casey, I think I'm just going to stay. I'm going to be stuck in Houston. I'm not going to make the trip. She said, I really feel like you're supposed to be on this trip. So I hung up the phone and sat there a while. And then finally I ring for the attendant. The attendant comes over and said, sir, how can I help you? I said, I think I'm going to get my stuff and get off. I'm going to miss my connecting flight. There's no more flight. It didn't matter to him. He said, well, grab your stuff. I'll let you off. I said, no, I'll stay. I'm wavering. Finally, he comes back over and said, Mr. Stewart, you'll be all right. I said, are you sure? He said, I'm positive. He said, you're going to make your connecting flight. I said, how can you be sure? He said, because the pilot of this plane is the pilot of the next plane. He said, they can't take off until we arrive. I'm telling you, we arrived. I didn't even get off the plane. I walked down a staircase with the pilot. We drove to the other plane. I got on the plane before anybody else got on the plane. I'll tell you, I was walking through some stuff. You couldn't see it. Our church was doing well. My family was good. But there was an inner battle happening in my mind and in my heart in that season. And right there on a tarmac, it was as the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Tony, I'm not only flying this leg of the journey, but I've got the next leg of the journey, and I've got the next leg of the journey, and I'm just building a doorway, and at the right time, and at the right season, I'm going to take you to, and I've come to tell someone this morning that God's got this, the places you've been battling, the things you've been walking through, the things you've been trusting me for. You know, my, my I'm outnumbered in our house. I've got a wife, two daughters, and a female dog named Macy. <laughs> Let's stand together today. And you know, my girls have a calling to shop. I mean, there's an anointing on them. I mean, when they go to the mall, it's like something supernatural happens. And pastor, they frequently remind me how much money they're saving me. And then I hear this almost every weekend. We have nothing to wear. I walk in their, their, their rooms and it doesn't appear to be that, but I hear that. But you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit. We go to the same mall, park in the same spot. It's right by Starbucks, our favorite restaurant, our favorite stores. 
Matter of fact, I can meet my girls at the mall and I know where to park. We park at the same spot. But you know, when we arrive at the mall, this beautiful glass entryway is there. But I found out that when I pull in the parking lot, the doors haven't yet opened. When I get out of my car, the doors are still closed. When I start walking to the mall, I can look ahead and see that the doors still haven't opened. But you know, there is a place that when I get close enough, this beautiful glass set of doors has a sensor on it. And when I hit the sensor, I don't have to push those doors open. I don't have to force those doors open. The minute I hit the sensor, the doors just open. And for my girls, it's like the glory's rolled out. Here's what you have to understand. When God puts a doorway in your life, there comes a place when you hit the sensor. There comes a place in your worship where you hit the sensor. There comes a place in your prayer life where you hit the sensor. There comes a place in your giving and in your obedience that you hit the sensor. There comes a place in your walk of faith where you just keep walking it out and you hit the sensor. And at the right moment, the doors begin to open. This wasn't in my earlier message. But I'm going to wrap up here in just a moment. I know I went a little bit long. But in Genesis chapter 24, Abraham sends a servant to find a wife for Isaac. I wish it was that easy for your kids. And he sends a servant to find a wife for Isaac. And the servant, Eliezer, goes to a place where young women would come and draw water. And I'm thankful for these type of servants. The servant said, Father, let her be obedient and good looking. And the Bible says when he saw Rebecca, he, he caught his, she kind of caught his eye and he prayed this prayer. He said, when she comes over to me, I'm going to ask for a drink of water, but Father, let her not only respond that she will give me a drink, but she will also water my camels. Rebecca comes over and she greets the gentleman and he asks for a drink. She responds, not only will I give you a drink, but I'll water your camels. You know, watering camels is a process. A cup of water is one thing, but every camel would drink 15 to 20 gallons of water. And the Bible said, I love this, as she watered the camels, the servant watched in silence. Sometimes God is watching in silence. We're just going through the acts of faith. We're worshiping when there's no song to sing. We're praying when there's no more words to pray. We're, we're perceiving that God is doing something even though everything in our natural says no. The Bible said he watched in silence. And then he asked her, said, can you take me to your father? He greets her father and he shares who he is. He said, I'm your brother's servant. I've come to find a, a wife for Isaac. And I believe Rebecca's the one. And the father responds this way. Whatever she says, if she says yes, I'll be okay with it. If she says no, that's the answer. That was really contrary to custom. They would usually trade those camels for the daughter. It was contrary. But whatever her answer is, 
will be my answer. Rebecca responds, yes, I will go. And this is it right here. The Bible says she crawled up on that exact camel that she had watered. And a prophetic word was released over her and says, you will be the mother of millions. And the Bible said that camel began to take her to Isaac and her destiny. And when I read that at the beginning of this year, coming out of this crazy season, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Tony, there's some things you've been watering in the last season and they are going to transport you into your destiny the next season. There's some things that you've been trusting for, some things that tried to take you out, some things that tried to silence your worship, but those are going to be testimonies of your faith. Those are going to be what make you more than an overcomer, that allow you to rise up on days where there seems to be nothing happening. But you declare greater is he that is in me. Some of you need to get into the mirror and become the prophet of your own life. I'm not talking about being crazy or flaky. I'm just talking about looking in the mirror when you don't believe it and declaring you are the head and not the tail. I'm just talking about looking into the mirror and declaring your best is yet to come. I'm just talking about looking in your mirror of faith and believing every word and every promise with a yes and an amen and declaring that God is greater and he is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ever asked or thought. Come on, give him praise today. I want to pray with you. I want to pray over you today. I want to believe with you that as you step into a doorway, here, here was the reality. The Bible said he called for her, and when he called for her, she responded. He said, this time next year. This time next year. She didn't believe it, but the verse says it was an appointment with destiny. Maybe you're believing for something. Maybe you're trusting for your children. Maybe you're standing in a doorway of faith not knowing what's on the other side. Maybe there's a ministry or something in the marketplace. Maybe you're just taking a step of faith not even knowing where you're going to land. I want to pray over you today. So Father, I just declare. Come on, if that's you, just slide your hand up. If you're believing, if you're trusting, just slide your hand up. Father, we believe today. We speak today. We receive today your grace that is all sufficient. Mercy that was brand new this morning. Promises that have already been stamped yes and amen. A declaration, Father, of a kingdom that is coming here on earth. Father, we grab hold of that promise, perceiving that you're doing something partnering with the word of God the people of God that what you've started you will finish Father I speak over families today I speak restoration I speak over places of lack today Father we speak prosperity Father we speak healing and health over bodies and spirit we speak to minds and hearts that are troubled to be at peace fear you have no place Faith is rising up right now. Promises are being released and you're reminding us of every good word and every great word that you have declared over our lives. And Father, as we walk, Father, every crooked place will be made straight. Favor will be our guide and your goodness and your mercy and your grace, our partners. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Amen and amen. Now will you take those hands, put them together. Come on, open your mouth and give him praise. God bless you, North. Can you show your appreciation to Pastor Tony Stewart this morning? When we are dismissed, I want to encourage you to go by in the atrium and uh, look at some of the areas that you can uh, implement your gifts and join a team. Also in the front lobby, Pastor Tony will be there. His books are there. Um, uh, we've got several copies there. Love for you to uh, invest in that. And uh, what you're doing is you're investing in your development of your spiritual life and your faith. Pastor Tony will be there if you want to talk to him. He'll sign a book if you want to. But uh, I encourage you to get involved. Use your talents and build your faith this morning. And um, I am excited about what the Lord is going to do in our lives. Amen? Amen? Allow me the privilege to bless you before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great day.